This is episode 331 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Food in Your Vehicle, What's Best for 72-Hour Survival Kits, DIY Laundry Detergent Step-by-Step, and Conflicted, Changing Their Mind, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, I want to let you know that this episode is being sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals. Get the ebook and join the forums. Go to microbiz.biz for more information, or you can always go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our first article. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preface uh, before I read this article, uh, that I don't know if I completely agree with it. It really is going to depend on some uh, some factors here. When we talk about food in your vehicle, what's best for your 72-hour survival kit? And so let me uh, share this article. Let me go ahead and read it. It's not very long. Uh, It does come to us from modernsurvivalblog.com. And then there's uh, a lot of comments here that will give you, that really give you a lot of information and ideas. And so if this is one of the things that you are considering and one of the things that you're looking into, then you definitely want to visit this website and read the comments. But let me read it and then I'll come back and uh, just share why I don't know if I completely or 100% uh, agree with the article because of where I live. So uh, let's go ahead and start. Do you keep any survival food in your vehicle? Is it more than just a few snacks for a while on the road? I've posted a number of articles on 72-hour kits to be kept in one's vehicle, along with suggestions for items that you might include. One important item is food. While the vast majority of circumstances will benefit from simply having a snack, you don't want to overlook having some substantial food too. There are some hypothetical scenarios whereby you might not have the luxury of stopping at a fast food joint grocery store or other establishment to get some food and it's good to consider this for preparedness while on the road. I do keep a variety of foods in my truck as part of my 72 hour kit. I also rotate this food during the year to avoid spoilage. It's especially important to rotate given the summer heat that can build up inside the vehicle which greatly reduces its shelf life. With that in mind let's think about what specific foods or types of emergency food might be better suited for keeping in your vehicle. Snacks, calories, and balance. So snack food in your vehicle. This is what you will likely semi-regularly dip into, a quick little snack. For this purpose, I keep a handful of ordinary food bars of various flavors, brands, and varieties. I keep them in a gallon-sized Ziploc bag, which I store in the center console. They're out of direct sun that way. Although they still get good and warm during the summer, I do rotate them indoors after a while. Note, the soft, gooey-type food bars will melt in the heat. To avoid this, you might focus on the granola type or the harder bars. Note, 
food bars will run anywhere from 100 calories to several hundred each. So calorie foods in your vehicle, 72-hour kit. While you will be much less likely to actually consume these or reserve for actual emergency or SHTF or bug out, you should consider counting enough calories for three days, general rule of thumb. That's potentially a lot. You're looking at 2,000 calories per day. So how are we going to come up with enough food that will actually fit somewhere in the vehicle without getting in the way? I'll tell you what I do. I keep an assortment of MREs, specific high-calorie food bars, some cans of chicken, even some peanut butter, which is very high in calories, or energy food. A can opener, a fork, and a spoon too. So 3,600 calories times 3, and there is a link here to the Daytrex Emergency Food Bar. So definitely you can carry some of those as well. So balance of food. Pay attention to the calories so you have enough. Also, go with some variety and balance. Maybe some sweets too. A quick boost. So where to store the food in your vehicle? This can be tricky. A smaller vehicle has less room than a big truck, for example. Be creative. Nooks and cavities here and there. Use them. I keep a backpack in the truck with some of my other emergency kit supplies and some more food. I simply keep it on the floor in the back seat. You could use the trunk. Tip. My water, except during the winter, is kept in a cooler on the floor in the back. Surprisingly, the water bottles don't get hot in there. Okay, so any other ideas for survival food that might be better than others to keep in the car, truck, or vehicle? And so he's just suggesting that you uh, drop them in the comments section there. And like I said, there's 49 comments here that provide a lot of information. So let me tell you where I'm coming from. I don't know where Ken is... Uh, Ken is located, but down here in Houston, I think it would just, having food in your vehicle, even for a day or a couple of days, maybe even a week, I know that he said that he rotated his out every, uh, you know, at least, you know, sometime in the year, um, but I just think that the heat down here, sometimes very easily, your car, your vehicle can get to 120 plus degrees uh, in the summertime down here in, in Houston, so you know, in that situation, I don't know if I would be keeping food in there. So a couple of different options here, because I do think you should, you should have food. You should have something that you eat, especially when you're talking about a 72 hour kit. But this is the option, at least that I would kind of throw out there for those of you that live in the South where it's really, really hot. And you don't want to keep food and water in your car because you're afraid that, you know, well, plastic water bottles are going to get hot. And, and uh, I know that he said that in his cooler, they don't get very hot. But uh, even, you know, down here in Houston, even if you had a cooler, I can't imagine that they wouldn't get very hot in a cooler. So this, this is my uh, recommendation. If you live somewhere where it's really, really hot in the south is to you can have your 72 hour kit. And you can, you know, put that away, store that away somewhere, maybe under a seat. If you have a trunk, you can keep it in the trunk. Uh, you know, you want to keep things hidden. If you have, a, if you're keeping it like in the back seat where people can see, um, you definitely want to cover it up with something so people don't see a backpack or or something that looks like it's valuable. Uh, I know that you know people have had their laptop stolen out of the back seat of their vehicle because it was in a backpack or it was in a a laptop uh, tote or something like that. 
So you want to be very careful about that because people will think that there, there might be something valuable in there and take it and not that it's just food and water or, you know, your kit items. And really sometimes your kit items can be very, very expensive as well. So I would store your 72-hour kit items or your bug out bag or whatever in your vehicle like you're talking about, like you normally would. And then I would have a smaller kit that I would take with me inside. So for example, if I was carrying my 72-hour kit or my get-home bag and I had food and water, I would leave that inside my vehicle. Let's say I go to work. I would leave that inside my vehicle and then I would take the smaller kit that had the food and the water in it. I would take that inside with me. And I might let that look like a, a small backpack or maybe like a briefcase or something along those lines to where it didn't look so crazy for people, you know, if I walked into work with it. Um, for instance, right now, I mean, I that's what I use. I use a backpack. So um, I could gar- carry a briefcase, but I just like to carry a backpack. And so, you know, it doesn't look strange for me at all to walk into work with a backpack. And so in there, you could keep your food, your 72-hour food, your water, that type of stuff. And uh, I think that way you're keeping it with you inside when you go into work and you're not necessarily leaving it in your vehicle to get hot and and warm and and, uh, to really degrade that way. Now, if you're going to the, the to the store or you know you're doing something like that, I think food would be fine to stay in there for a, a little bit. But if it's going to be super super hot down here in the south, I just wouldn't keep food. Uh, like when he was talking about in the Ziploc bags and stuff. I mean, granola bar probably would be okay. Uh, you know, especially if if it wasn't you know being tossed around and, and different things like that, it would pretty much stay. Uh, pretty solid, but I, I still I would I wouldn't want to keep that in in the heat or at least in the in the Houston heat the way that we observe it and in like I said earlier the the heat so far in the month of June has really kicked up a whole nother notch it's really really hot and so uh, I just I would just not do that but if you live somewhere where the temperatures don't I mean e- even when you're saying summer are not getting too too hot you might feel a little bit more comfortable leaving your food in your vehicle. So you really, that's why I said, you really, it depends on where you're at, where your location is, and how hot your vehicle gets. So, uh, you know, keep that into consideration. Because I know that there's some of you listening, where you live, you can keep food in your vehicle, and it's fine. I mean, you have a very, you know, balanced climate, or, you know, your, your winters maybe get really cold, uh, but your summers don't get that, you know, that hot. And so you feel a little bit more comfortable keeping your food in there. So anyway, that's just my two cents there adding on to uh, to Ken's uh, article on how to uh, or what kind of food to keep in your 72-hour survival kit. All right, guys, like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Again, that comes to us from modernsurvivalblog.com. All right, this next article comes to us from Survival Sullivan. And so I want you to think about this for just a minute. If you're saving money, or let's just say that uh, you are wanting to stockpile, you are thinking that there might come a time where you can't so easily go to the grocery store and buy the items that you need to wash your clothes. Now we've talked about washing our clothes. We've talked about, you know, that that will still be needed no matter where we are, we are at. Uh, with you know, with our world, how crazy it is 
whether we are in an SHTF situation or not. You still have to wash your clothes. And so I don't know about you, but I would like to have the item stockpiled so that when I needed it, I could make laundry soap or laundry detergent to be able to wash my clothes and so that I would have clean clothes to wear as I go through, uh, you know, I guess, the apocalypse or whatever, right? Or just the fact that let's just say there's a, a big economic downturn and you, you still want to have the supplies uh, to wash your clothes. So this article will have uh, will talk a little bit about what you need, but then it gives about five different recipes that you can use to uh, create laundry soap and laundry detergent. So I, I think this is one of those, definitely one of those articles that you probably would want to print out or at least go check out uh, the recipes and maybe just kind of copy and paste the recipes for your own knowledge. And uh, some of these supplies are just is so easy to stockpile. And so you can have um, the detergent and the, the dish soap uh, or the, the, the soap that you'd need to wash your clothes. So let's go ahead and jump right into this at survivalsullivan.com DIY laundry detergent step by step. And that's the other thing I like about this article. It is step by step and lets you know what you need. So make your own laundry soap to ensure you do not carry or transfer germs and other contaminants on your clothing during a long-term disaster and to save a pretty substantial amount of money you can use to stockpile other essential preps in the process. DIY laundry soap is just that, a soap. It is not a detergent that uses harsh chemicals to clean clothing. You can make homemade laundry soap in either a solid powder form or a liquid form. They both work equally well to clean clothing. The choosing of one over the other is merely a matter of personal preference. There is often extremely heated debate over what are the best ingredients for DIY laundry soap online. So much so, you would think that commenters and writers were discussing politics and not a clothes washing product. If the how natural is natural argument does not interest you, the ingredient set selection process will not be fraught with stress and soul searching and internet researching turmoil. I am a big proponent of using natural ingredients in everything I made to use on my bodies in the garden and when rendering first aid to my tribe and the barnyard. But I have no desire to delve so deeply into the minutia when it comes to the debate of just how natural borax is of the pristine nature of Fell's naphtha soap. Both are natural enough for me and I use them often and sometimes substitute other types of soap for Fell's naphtha if I don't have it on hand and have had success with it in the past. It is noteworthy of mentioning that borax is not boric acid as some online chatter and poorly researched. And then I think that uh, somewhere along the line, this last couple of this last couple of words in the sentence got cut off somewhere and uh, didn't get uh, into this article. But uh, I'm assuming it would say something like and poorly researched uh, articles on the Internet, something along those lines. Uh, so continuing on, depending upon the prices of necessary ingredients in your local area, you should be able to make approximately 20 gallons of homemade laundry soap for around $10. So DIY laundry soap tips. Most DIY laundry soap recipes are safe for high efficiency washers, but these somewhat picky front, end, front loading modern washers 
could clog up when powdered homemade laundry soap is used. DIY laundry soap, like most homemade bar and liquid soaps, as well as shampoos and conditioners, are low sudsing. Do not worry that simply because bubbles or suds are not appearing as usual in your wash load that the DIY laundry soap is not doing its job. The ingredients you choose to use will determine if the soap is safe to use on sensitive skin or on baby clothing. Remember, essential oils are often too potent for use with both pets and young children. Two tablespoons is generally the recommended amount of homemade laundry soap to use per large load for both the powdered and liquid versions. And uh, so that's a little contradictory compared to some of the the recipes that we're going to read here. Uh, Both powdered and liquid laundry detergents are extremely shelf stable. I like to use five gallon buckets and make detergent in bulk and have a decent stockpile available to use all summer long or if the SHTF. The longest I have kept a bottle of liquid homemade laundry soap on a shelf in the basement has been seven months and it worked just fine and appeared to be as potent as the bottles I used when they were more fresh. As long as you keep powdered DIY laundry soap in an airtight container, it should keep pretty much indefinitely. Distilled white vinegar makes a great natural fabric softener. It does not leave your laundry smelling at all like vinegar, I promise. But never ever pour it in the washer right after using a homemade laundry soap that contains baking soda, Castile soap, or super washing soda. A mixture of vinegar with either of these other ingredients will usually cause a poor washing result and definitely a lot of foaming when baking soda and vinegar are mixed. Simply pour in up to about half a cup of distilled white vinegar after the washer drains from the wash cycle as the rinse water is flowing into the washer drum. If you are worried about buildup in your septic system or an energy efficient washer, toss a few tablespoons of Epsom salt in when doing a load of laundry and try using the liquid instead of the powdered version of the DIY laundry soap recipes. So the DIY laundry soap ingredients. The homemade laundry soap recipes you will find below all share many common ingredients. You may want to adjust the amounts used up or down slightly based upon how they work in your washer and on your laundry and for personal preference. The soap you choose to use when making laundry detergent is entirely up to you, but some brands do tend to work better than others at cleaning stains and preventing clothes from becoming dingy or smelly, especially if you have hard water issues. We have well water and I have never been unhappy with any of the recipes posted below. So recommended soaps. Castile. This is an olive oil based soap from Spain and it's likely the most often used when making not just laundry soap but dish soap and liquid hand soap as well. It is known to produce significant results when it comes to removing both dirt and stains from clothing. Because it is vegetable and not animal fat based, the chances of it clogging up either your washer or your septic system are substantially low. Felsnatha. This soap is often more readily available off the shelf than Castile, especially in rural areas. It is incredibly cheap, sometimes as low as $1 a bar. Like Castile soap, it does not contain any perfumes and is highly concentrated, so a little bit goes a long way. 
Some folks with sensitive skin maintain Fels naphtha soap is one of the very few types that does not irritate it. You might be able to skip using bleach on your whites if you grate about a half a cup of, or so of the soap in warm water and then soak the whites or even stained clothing in it for about 60 minutes. So ivory. This is another great inexpensive and readily available option for making homemade laundry soap. In my personal experience, it takes a little more of ivory soap to get clothing clean and when I used either Felsnaphtha or Castile in my recipe. When in a pinch, I have used, I have even used Lever 2000 soap and had decent results. So a tip on these soaps. A typical bar of soap generally weighs between four to four and a half ounces. Generally, when a DIY laundry soap recipe calls for a bar of soap, it needs a minimum of four ounces to work. If using a large bar of soap, adjust down the amount you grate to avoid ending up with a gummy result, unless you are washing very soiled or heavy-duty outerwear. All right, so there is a link here to a video, uh, and the video is called Homemade Liquid Laundry Detergent Recipe. So this one would walk you through it if you're interested in uh, watching that one. All right, so let's go ahead and get to the recipes. All right, so recipe number one, this is for a large batch. The ingredients and supplies, one bar of your chosen soap, two cups of washing soda, two cups of borax, water, and a five-gallon bucket. Uh, chunk the bar of soap, here are the directions. Chunk the bar of soap and feed it through your food processor or grate it with a cheese grater or serrated butter knife into fine pieces. Heat two quarts of water in a large pot, pour in the grated soap and stir constantly until it fully dissolves. Remove the pot from the heat. Pour four and a half gallons of warm water into the bucket. Stir in both the washing soda and the borax. Keep stirring the mixture until the particles are fully dissolved. Then pour in the soap mixture. Tip. Once the laundry soap has completely cooled, you can pour it into smaller jugs to make it more handy to use on a regular basis. Use between a half or one full cup of the laundry soap per load, depending upon how soiled the clothing is and the weight of the load. So DIY laundry soap recipe number two. The ingredients are three tablespoons of washing soda, three tablespoons of borax, three tablespoons of liquid Castile soap or Blue Dawn dishwashing liquid, and water. Okay, here are the directions. Pour the washing soda and the borax into a non-metallic bowl. Boil four cups of water. Pour in the liquid soap. Stir to mix the ingredients together completely. Pour the mixture into a one-gallon bucket or jug when it has cooled just enough to do so safely. Fill the one-gallon container up the rest of the way with cold water. Put the cap on the jug or the lid on the bucket and shake vigorously for about 30 seconds. Store until ready to use. Use up to one cup of the DIY laundry soap per large laundry load. Right. so recipe number three. The ingredients and the supplies are one bar of ivory soap, one cup of washing soda, water, and a bucket that will hold at least two and a half gallons. The directions are grate the soap finely either by hand or chunking it and running it through a food processor. Put the soap into a medium pot with just enough warm water to cover it. Stir continuously until the soap flakes dissolve while warming the pot over medium heat. Do not bring to a boil. Fill the bucket with two and a half gallons of hot water. 
Remove the soap mixture from the stove and carefully pour into the bucket. Stir until the mixture in the bucket is thoroughly combined. Pour in the washing soda while continuously stirring again. Allow the mixture to cool and store in containers with a firm fitting lid. So here's some tips for this one. Homemade liquid laundry soap is thicker than the store-bought variety. DIY liquid laundry soap has a tendency to become a bit gooky and resemble gel after it cools and settles inside a jug. If this happens, it will be more difficult to pour, but it's still completely fine to use. If you are concerned about the appearance of it, clogging the washing, if not cleaning clothes with hot water, simply pour out the amount you need to use and dilute it slightly with some warm water. Stir and use. Remember, the more diluted the laundry soap is, the weaker it gets. Alright, so recipe number four. The ingredients are one cup of baking soda, one cup of distilled white vinegar, one fourth cup of blue dawn or liquid castile soap, and then one cup of washing soda. The directions are pour all of the dry ingredients and the liquid soap into a bowl and combine thoroughly. Slowly pour in the distilled white vinegar as you stir to combine. The mixture should resemble a fairly thick paste. Cover the mixture and allow it to sit overnight so it will break down into a powdered soap form. Stir again to break up any glumpy parts and then store in an airtight container until ready to use. Use about half a cup of the powdered laundry soap per large load. Alright, so this I guess this is more of a liquid soap that becomes more of a flaky soap that you can use. And this one does talk about using the white vinegar with Castile soap. So I don't know. I don't know if I would. that would be one of the first ones that I will try. Um, there is another video here that says homemade 5-minute powdered laundry soap. So this is a powdered one. I believe I've seen that video before. Uh, you know, And that's just an easy one to make. All right, so recipe number 5. The ingredients are 1 bar of soap, 3 fourths cup of borax, 2 tablespoons of vegetable glycerin, two and a half gallons of water, three-fourths cup of washing soda, bucket large enough to hold two and a half gallons. So the directions are, grate the bar of soap, put the water and the soap into a pot and warm over only medium heat. Do not bring to a boil. Pour two and a half gallons of hot water into the bucket. Pour the borax, glycerin, and washing soda into the bucket and stir vigorously until all of the solids dissolve. Allow the laundry soap to cool completely in the bucket before pouring it into smaller containers with a firm fitting lid until ready to use. Once you have made a batch or two of homemade laundry soap, you will get a better feel of what recipe and amounts of ingredients works best for you and your washing machine and the typical load of laundry. Feel free to adjust the quantities of ingredients up or down slightly to suit your needs. If you prefer a scented DIY laundry soap, Pour a few capfuls of your favorite essential oil or some lemon juice into the washer along with the soap. Alright guys, so there are some other pictures here um, that, you know, there's a little bit more information along with those pictures that you might be interested in. Uh, you know, they talk a little bit about Dawn soap using that uh, and, and making, uh, using that in the laundry. So, uh, like I said, good information to have. At least to know, maybe you, you practice with a batch. Maybe you see what it's like. Uh, you know, see if it, if it really does work for you. Uh, and maybe you might want to store 
the or stockpile the ingredients so you have them ready if you ever needed them and you you couldn't run out to the store and buy your regular detergent anymore or your regular laundry soap that you would have something that you could use so anyway guys that's over at survivalsullivan.com and uh, i'll link to this one in the show notes as well well everyone because this is the thursday podcast i usually read a conflicted scenario this one is called changing their mind what would you do and like always you know you can uh, just go through this scenario in your head and you know think about what you would do uh, you know with what you know about preparedness what would you do uh, in this situation um, you could talk about it with someone that you know someone that you don't mind talking about preparedness with or you can come over to edthatmatters.com and you can drop whatever your idea is with your answer to this scenario in the comment section I think that's always helpful to uh, to read other people's perspectives on it because sometimes people grab or have an idea that you didn't you you weren't really thinking about and so I think I think that's one way that we always learn is by reading other people's perspectives and and thinking those through as well so like always I'm going to read it twice and then uh, I'll link to this one as well so that you can go to it if you want to drop your comments so let me go ahead and read this one An economic collapse has happened and government forces are seizing all resources and searching the country for all nonconformists. You lead a well-hidden and prepared group of about 40. About a month ago, the group added a small family of four and now that family wants to return to town, which is a government-controlled area. This may compromise the group's safety, location, and possibly their lives. How would you deal with this situation and why? All right, so let me do this one more time. An economic collapse has happened and government forces are seizing all resources and searching the country for all nonconformists. You lead a well-hidden and prepared group of about 40. About a month ago, the group added a small family of four and now that family wants to return to town, which is a government-controlled area. This may compromise the group's safety, location, and possibly their lives. How would you deal with this situation and why? All right, guys, like I said, that's going to be over at edthatmatters.com. Think it through. What would you do? Uh, Share it with someone or just come on over to Ed That Matters and drop it in the comment section. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 331. Thanks for hanging out with me on this uh, podcast episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.